0: We on special, uh, I don't have the pot filter, I'll probably throw that on, special midweek episode of Muthanomics. It's not even midweek, I guess it's still on the early side of the week, but doing a popping in here for a little bit just to talk about the uh, I, I've, I've mentioned that there's literally hundreds of different mathematical equations that are used to create stock charts. And then there's dozens of different stylings for those charts. And I'm currently looking at this Bitcoin play that I talked about last weekend. Um, and the the pattern on the chart yesterday um, started to form into a head and shoulders pattern. And a head and shoulders pattern if you if you research it is very bullish it, it, or not sorry, it's not bullish, it's bearish. It's one of the uh, most tried and true patterns that show a reversal in an uptrend. So when I saw that saw that forming, I actually just flattened the position and closed out of it. Um, and I've been watching this thing yesterday and today and there are so many competing visual cues going on that it's uh, it, it's what makes it makes it makes day trading and it makes finding good entry points uh, extremely complex and there's a reason uh, that that stockbrokers um, as one of my friends in Tampa, who's had a relative who actually OD'd on coke, um, there's a, there's a reason that stockbrokers um, have had a reputation for uh, living on the edge and being a little wild. Because you know, I'm looking at I'm looking at thousand share increments on this thing, and it's the it's currently ranging between six and seven dollars. I mean, if you're some guy that you know has got a hundred million dollars that you're trying to trade. Uh, for people, I can see how the psychological stress on that would go up quite a bit. So anyway, the, the competing variables going on here right now, you have the head and shoulder pattern forming um, from, let's see here, the first shoulder formed on August 30th, the head formed on November uh, September 2nd, and the peak of the other shoulder popped up on November 9th. So in the span of, what, 10 or 11 days, but only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight trading days, you had a head and shoulders pattern emerge. So on the short term, in those eight days, it's looking very bearish. However, if you go back to August 6th, you between August 6th and, August 27th, you have a cup forming, which would show a cup on handle pattern. Um, and if you cut the head out, like if you cut the head out that formed on the second and you just ignore the head, you could argue that the shoulders, um, the lower part of the shoulder that's forming right now on the right side on this trading day on the 14th is forming the lower part of the handle. So that would be a bullish case. Um, if you take out both of those patterns and you just look at its current horizontal channel, it has touched six dollars as a support level um, yesterday. Um, it actually dropped below six on the seventh. It went down to five seventy five, and it touched six oh four today. Um, so six oh uh, yeah six oh five. So, and it closed, the day that it touched 5.75, it closed at uh, 6.05. So three times in the last six trading days, it has touched six as a support line and closed above that. So if you're looking at it from just a pure horizontal trading channel that it's currently in, Um, support and resistance lines six dollars appears to be a support Um, if you go to the MACD the exponential MACD is starting to do the death cross on top of the other moving uh, MACD line and the MACD just crossed into the red so that is showing um, that it's likely got another downward move in it so the fourth thing is if you draw the support line, um, the trend line, it's sitting right at the trend line um, at six bucks. Six bucks, if you if you draw a line from the last three lows rain, uh, ranging back from July 19th all the way through September 14th, that line connects in three spots and it is currently sitting right at six bucks. <laughs> so there's the head and shoulders pointing to, to bearish you've got the channel support pointing to that a good entry point would be around six dollars um, you have got the cup and handle if you if you cut if you lop off the head you have a cup and handle which is at the bottom of the handle which is looking bullish and if you draw on the support lines um, it's looking bullish as well. The other thing it has going in its favor in my mind is that Bitcoin, Um, Obviously, if you're gonna be trading a Bitcoin miner, you need to be doing it with a close eye on Bitcoin itself. And over the weekend, Bitcoin uh, was all over the map, and it, oh man, It so on, uh, let's see, it broke through the $45,000 level, and then it dipped below it to 44, broke through the 45 again, and then it's been over the weekend using that 44 to 45,000 as a, as a price support at the moment. Yesterday last night it dipped all the way to 437, but again if you draw the trend line, 437 was right at the trend line and sure enough it bounced from the 437 and it is currently up 1600 bucks at 46838 right now. Um so Bitcoin is looking bullish, and its next resistance point is looking like it's going to be around 52.6. If it continues that, so if it, uh, so that's going to be a pretty tight channel that is going to form here. Um, if it, if it bounce, if it's resisted at 52.6, it's going to come back and probably it's going to be in a very tight triangle um, on that lower support trend line and the upper upper top um, resistance line. So it's actually forming a pretty a pretty uh, nice looking bull flag um, on that. So anyway, just a, a brief interweek popping in here to just give you some insight and some um, in the in the actual action that takes place while you're trying to day trade. You're getting uh you're getting multiple signals um, and you're trying to make decisions on it. So currently I'm sitting, I I think that the uh, MACD trend line is actually going to be what pushes this below six on, on this particular Bitcoin stock. So I am waiting and I am eyeballing um, the next support level uh, as being probably about $4.50 is where I'm going to be looking to enter. Now, that could change at any time. I mean, if they announce, you know, hey, we got Elon Musk on our board or whatever, then obviously all those lines mean jack squat. Um, if the powers that be decide to, f- to flush the toilet on the entire bubble um, to get things back to that 200-day moving average on the macro, all the support lines go out the window and this will flush down the toilet with everything else. Um, so basically, basically, your 1,000 share purchase uh, has no impact on any of the price movements is basically, I guess, the overall conclusion being a minnow. Um, not even a minnow, you're like a plankton. A plankton swimming in an ocean full of whales. Um, and here I am watching colored lines go up and down on the screen trying to figure out a good entry point. Um, and really having absolutely... No sway um, over what the price movement will ultimately be because it will either be flushed by the powers that be or it will be hyped and bought up um, if there's some crazy announcement. And if you don't believe me, just look at the story this last week where Elon Musk posted a picture of his dog, Floki or Flor- Florky or Fioki, maybe Fioki. He posted a picture of his new puppy and said, Hey, world, meet Fioki. And there's there was some altcoin that was at the time ranked it was the 3,000th most popular altcoin on the crypto market, named Fioki, and it went up 500% uh, within that one day one day period after he tweeted that he had named his dog Fioki. So I actually have uh, Elon Musk's Twitter feed pulled up on the sidebar of my screen, and I'm I'm watching it throughout the day, because if he puts out a post that's like, this particular ticker symbol is any, A-N-Y. Um, if he puts out a particular post, that's like, hey, anyone know about which stock might be the, ba-? I mean, if he puts the word any in any of his tweets, um, I would probably click the buy button. And I, I could probably just set a stop buy order um, above the current resistance. The current resistance in this particular channel is actually like six seven 7.65, it's hit 7.65 three times um, in the last 10, 10, 11 trading days. So I could put a stop buy order at 8, um, which would only trigger if the price burst through 8. So that would, I'd still be able to catch some upside. I'd lose the move from currently 6.07 to 8. But I guarantee you if, if Elon Musk tweeted um, about this particular ticker symbol, it would run much higher than 8. So maybe that's my strategy um, to capture any sort of uh, Elon Musk hysteria. But anyway, so I'm I don't know how I'm going to deal deal with this. I'm not going to do the entire podcast at this particular time um, because yeah, it's the middle of a work day and I got stuff to do, but I did want to hop in and just give a little bit of insight. So I'll either publish this as a standalone episode um, or 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 I'll just take the extra Few minutes and append or prepend this audio file on the actual episode. Talk to you guys later. See ya. I'm actually gonna keep this thing going because this is turning exciting. Um, I am predicting that this is, this is gonna break six. Ooh, six o two. I'm telling you, if, if 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 this doesn't go below six, then the lines on the chart are not speaking to me. Um. And I kind of feel like the lines on the chart communicate to me in odd ways. Um, And I really think this is going below six. That top boulder um, MACD exponential cross is just coming in from too high of an angle onto the thinner one. Um, It's got to dump below six. There's just no way that this cannot break below six. And I think pretty substantially because once it... Oh, 601. Holy moly. The floodgates just burst. 592. Volumes picking up. Now there's a now there's a buy order sitting at 570. That's not a good sign. 592. So now this really does become where is my level of conviction on where I want to re-enter this thing. Um Bitcoin's still up 1691, 589. I mean originally I originally early in the week I wrote that my re my my reentry point was anywhere from 5:40 to 5:75 um so there is now now you're dealing with now you're dealing with the layer of don't try to catch a falling knife like that's complete folly um very specifically speaking the next support line on this thing should be 571 um very very specifically speaking but now this is when i need to go over to the multi the the multi windows because looking at the 180 day 4 hour chart see it's downtrend starting to flatten out below it's in the red on the macd but it's starting to flatten out um whereas the six month, one day, that top line is still above. Um, And it's coming in at a steeper angle. And then if I look at the one day, one minute, I mean, it is wildly oversold on the one day, one minute. Oh man, decisions, decisions. Um, Breaking that six, I think is just a very, I think that's a very bearish move because that's the neckline. The neckline was six. And I mean, what's the point of having charting theories if you're not going to actually follow them, right? And I think that's where a lot of people lose money, at least in reading online stock message boards, which let's be honest, at least half of those posts, probably at least, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if eight out of 10 of those posts are just bot farm Generated nonsense to try to psychologically manipulate people into buying or selling a particular uh, ticker symbol. Um, but what's the point of having? What's the point of having stock chart theory um, if you actually don't follow the rules? And the rules are: once it breaks the neckline, um, you're supposed to look for the next level of support. Which, if I just block out emotion, <laughs> if I just block out a motion just looking at the chart, if I just if you just gave me those candles and said where do you think the next line of support would be? Um Wow. I'd have to go I'd have to say Man. I mean, it's, it's next previous high, but that gap already filled. So, no, I, I'm going to have to say five bucks. But now am I getting now am I getting greedy on the reentry? Let's go to the old Fibonacci retrace. Here we go. Let's see what Fibonacci retrace tells us, because the last last time a couple of these big Bitcoin stocks ran um, They retraced, add drawing set, fib retrace, come here. And we are, oh, whoops, hold on. I did it in the wrong spot. Uh, Remove, remove drawing. We gotta click that from right at that level. So we are gonna click there, uh, add drawing, fib retrace. We are gonna drag you down, son. And we're gonna see that thing, where did it take off from? Eh, eh. I mean it depends. So yeah. So 5 Oh, interesting. Look at that. So what did I say? I said 5 I said 540, I think. 550. The fib retrace that these other ones have retraced to is 549. Um that's a, that's the twenty three point six percent on this last particular huge old spike would be five forty six. I'm going to drop that on the chart too, make it even more confusing to look at. So six seventy was the thirty eight point two percent. It's clearly dropped below that. So the next one, the next one on the fib retrace is saying five forty six, and. What did I say I said? I think I said five, um, but I did write down on the chart. I said 540 to 575 on my my on my on uh, note card over the weekend. And then I said the next one below that would be 450, which oddly enough doesn't even show up. doesn't even show up on the FIB retrace model. So, oh boy, volume kind of died though. But here's the thing, the volume is so stinking low. I mean, it's, it's just, it's crazy low. So let's, for perspective, on the run up to $11.98 on September 2nd, 247 million shares were traded. Um, the next day, 87.8 million. Then we had 33 million. Then we had 88 million. Today, only 9.4 million shares have traded, and we're almost at 1 p.m. on a Tuesday. Club's blowing up on a Tuesday. Uh, so I'm gonna write that down because I wanna take, I don't, I wanna take that off. Um, what's the fib retrace say? 546, 546 retrace. It's interesting um, because the trends that I've noticed with myself as I write down in my stock journal, dear diary, how much money did I lose this month? <laughs> uh, I'm kidding, of course. Um we, so I, I, I get in um, before a move, I'm an early adopter, which is good because it makes profit highly probable. The downside of that, as I've mentioned before, is that I exit too early on the back end of a trade, so once this thing has spiked up to 1198, on the back end of that trade, that early adoption status also it actually turns and works against me, because while being an early adopter before a big run is beneficial because it makes profit very probable, I have noticed on a couple trying to trade the fib retrace on the back end, there have been a handful of times where I have where that early adoption um, bias has has. Negatively impacted me because I enter too soon on the on the back end of that particular move. Um, and again, these are competing things, and I think this is where I'm actually uh, struggling. There's a lot of conflict right now between because I'm reading I'm reading day trading books, I'm reading options books, um, and at the same time I'm reading long term investor books. So there's a real battle in my mind right now, which is causing a lot of uh, it's causing a lack of clarity. Um and it is in the form of that conflict of okay, what's my position on this? Because if I'm day trading this, obviously I want to buy it at support and sell it on the bounce. But if in six months this is gonna be a twenty dollar stock, does it really matter if you bought it at six fifty or five fifty? Like, not really. But in those couple days where it might have you might have been too early on the retrace. Um, and you bought at 650 and it goes to 550, you're sitting on a thousand dollar loss in a day or two. And you're going, what? That sucks. But it, so there's a lot of conflict going on right now in my trading mind as it relates to that timing stuff. And uh, like any good tennis player, you just continue to just put your head down and tweak and modify and keep taking your lumps. So <laughs> Maybe this will turn into the full podcast because yesterday, I think it was yesterday, AOC at the Met Awards uh, wore a Tax the Rich dress um, at a, I think it was a $25,000, maybe it was a 35 dollars no, I think it was a $25,000 a plate gala, gala, um, or $375 per table. So she's paying more for a plate of rubbery conference center chicken and some mashed potatoes and grilled veggies uh, than, than every minimum wage worker in the country makes in a year. And she has the the woman balls, I don't even know what you call it, the chutzpah, to show up in a bright white dress that says tax the rich on it? I mean, the the lack of self-awareness is, is just astonishing. Um, and again, I think I really, on, on the one hand, I think is deliberate because they're, 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 I was talking to someone, they said, it's like going over the line. Um, so, you know, if there's a line in the sand, and I mean, it, it's, it's blitzkrieg, Oh no! You're you're referencing Hitler. You can't always reference Hitler. He's 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 the easiest hyperbolic example to always reference because he is the he's the extreme example in like everything. But if if you just if you would just would oh well you know we're just gonna take a uh, hundred yards worth of Austria, and then maybe a couple of years later we'll take another hundred and fifty yards, and then we'll no you just burst through the border. You take the whole darn thing. You keep on rolling. I mean that's what a bully does. And you, instead of just tiptoeing around the line or trying to, you know, uh, be conciliatory or negotiate or, um, you know, negotiate and say, hey, you know, I'll, I'll give you some concessions. You give me some concessions. No, you just run roughshod banking on the fact that the people that you just ran over don't have the courage or the balls or the chutzpah to push you all the way back. So if you run... 100 miles over the line, maybe you'll get pushed back 50, maybe you'll get pushed back 25, maybe you'll get pushed back 75. But even if in the extreme case you get pushed back 75 miles, you've still made 25 miles worth of progress, which if you just slowly tried to chip away at that wouldn't be you wouldn't make that progress. And I think that's what I think that's what the the far left, the modern left. This podcast not supposed to be political. Um, I think that's what the modern left has done. And and I think the, the the Bush conservatives did the same thing on civil liberties in the wake of 9-11 and weapons of mass destruction. Um, where they just said, hey, we're going to run so far over this line of civil liberties that even when people push back against it, we're still going to have way more ground than we would ever have if we tried to move slowly on this. So that is a modern... It's probably, it's, they probably adopted the tactic from like Adila the Han and Napoleon. So none of this stuff's new. It's just that in, it's just not taking the form of pitchforks and axes and ironclad soldiers wielding rusty blacksmith constructed swords and whatnot, um, and sickles and spears and bow and arrows uh, and like... What, what, were the, what they used to fight with, like flaming oil balls, like they'd catapult, instead of like a cannon or a musket blast, they'd just lob some, like, they'd, they'd take a bunch of cow dung, soak it in, in oil, and launch a flaming pile of cow poop through the air, and it would explode and stick all over you, no oh, know, I'm on fire. Um, so it's, I mean, it's just the bum rush, it's the the rape and the pillage and the just run roughshod, and, that, and that's intellectually that's kind of become the modus operandi uh for how the political parties deal with each other um so anyway she wants to tax the rich while eating a twenty-five thousand dollar plate of of conference room chicken and knowing them it probably wasn't conference room chicken they probably hired like some world famous gourmet chef that like created all these like wonderful, unique dishes. I mean, Nancy Pelosi's got what? I don't even remember how much her ice cream was. She had like a $25,000 refrigerator, which might be a lie. I don't remember. It was really expensive. And then she's eating ice cream that, you know, 99.9% of the people... For she, Nancy Pelosi was eating an ice cream that the percentage of people that could afford it was the exact same percentage of the survivability of the COVID apocalypse. <laughs> Maybe there's some parallels between that. Uh just the disdain that uh, educated intellectual elites have for the common man just makes me want to. It doesn't even make me want to vomit anymore. It makes me want to have like uncontrollable diarrhea. Like that's how it feels. Like vomiting is like gross. Um, like just having like explosive diarrhea is actually kind of relieving. It's like oh man, at least that's out of the way. Um. That's how they, it's like, ah, oh, it's just, just flush it. I mean, let's get that, let's get that, uh, schmuckery elitism, um, let's get it out of the, out of the way because it's not beneficial at all. Man, this thing is fighting for its life at six dollars and one cent right now. Six dollars and one cent. It broke the neckline. Don't get duped, muth. It broke the neckline. And here's the thing. I was playing tennis this weekend. No, no, another tennis story. Uh, I played my first tennis match since the high altitude debacle that I talked about last week. 596. Um, And it was league match AA1 Alta, which if you know anything about Atlanta, Alta Tennis Association, AA1 is the highest level you can play. And I'm on a team that's that I fit perfectly on. It's all a bunch of aging hacks that used to be really good, and now it's like a coin flip whether or not you know we can field a full lineup of ten guys because we're nursing broken broken toe bones and jacked up backs and rotator cuffs and beer bellies and all kinds of nonsense. So it's my first it's my first season with them on the men's team. I played I played the summer season um, on the mixed team same, pretty much the same group of guys. And then, you know, we mix in uh, women who play at that level as well. Um, and so they throw me, I get a text, Hey Muth, you're playing, you're playing number one spot this weekend. And I was, I I joked back. I said, why do I feel like I'm, I'm getting thrown to the wolves? Like I'm the sacrificial lamb. (laughs) Are you guys hazing the new guy? Um, and I said, I feel like I'm cannon fodder. So they were cracking up. Anyway, we got there and we play and play these two guys that are just one guy. is a, He's an Australian teaching pro who's a very accomplished tennis player. And then we played this kid who's probably late 20s who just got done playing college not too long ago. Absolute cannon of a serve. Canon of a serve. One of the hardest serves I've ever had uh, to try to return. Um, the only saving grace is we did break him at love in the first set because I guessed right on two returns and clipped, uh, not clean winners, but clipped him pretty hard back at his feet. And he flubbed the volleys like a like a chump that he is. Um, but they ended up winning the match 7-6, 6-1. Six, six, um, and after the match, I stayed and watched the other guys play. We won line two, which was surprising. Um, they squeaked that thing out. Line three lost, which was surprising. We should have won that. So it came down to lines four and five, line four, one, seven, five, six, zero. And then line three went for like three and a half hours and they won in a long three setter. And I didn't stay for that. So we ended up beating the team three to two. Um, But before all that went down, after I played and after line two played, we were sitting there watching line three play. And I got talking to this one guy and we got talking about margins and stocks. And the guy I played with works in stock investment. And the guy that played line two that I was talking to works in options. And so long story short, we got talking and he said, I was telling him, you know, he, we were talking about indicators and lines and MACDs and RSIs and stochastics and money flow indexes and accumulation index and all these different metrics you can use. And he goes, oh yeah, he goes, those, those are, like, he said, those are like clockwork until the algos decide something and I said, "Huh?" and he goes, "Oh, dude." He goes, "I used to work at an algo firm and he said we specialized in creating algos that looked for pattern recognition." And he said, "Once the algos decide, once they once they get the green light to buy or to sell, he goes, "It's over." He said it's just over. There's nothing you can do about nothing you can do about it." Um, so that's another layer into this thing. So if the algos pick up on this head and shoulders confirmation, um, there's no point in even looking at trying to find, um, oh, yeah, well, I think I'm going to pull out my crayon and magic marker and draw right there. No. Well, according to this guy, who I would tend to believe, because I've seen things do this. It happened uh, It happened with um, KPLT. I was trading the cup and handle pattern on KPLT um, on the end of August. So the, the, the right side of the cup formed on the 30th. And I saw the cup forming. Um, in after hours on the 27th. So I got in on the 27th and sure enough on the 30th, the handle blew up and I made some decent money. It went from four low fours and it topped out at 578. I didn't sell at 578, I think I sold at 550 because I'm, I'm always skeptical. Um, and then I sat on it and I waited for the handle to form, which it did. And the handle formed, and I picked it up again. Um, I think I picked it up again at like 440 something as the handle was forming. And then it shot up, and the handle formed off of, the, the, the shoot up formed off the tip of the handle. And I made another 1,200 bucks trading that. And then the other component that was going on was there was a gap fill involved. So it was an it was a double inside bar. It was, a, it was a cup and handle setup with a double inside bar with a gap fill so like the trifecta of all charts um, and I didn't trust the gap fill because the gap fill uh, was from 588 and it dropped from 941 so it was a four dollar gap fill it's a pretty big gap fill and I thought you know I've never traded the gap fill like that before so I'm just gonna take my cup and handle profits and just ride off into the sunset and look for another cup and handle Um, But the very next day, the volume almost tripled. Yeah, look at that. It traded, the last day of the handle formation, it traded 7 million shares. The day that it shot up to fill that gap, it traded 133 million shares. And just that discrepancy in the number of shares traded, I think, confirms that guy's comment that when the algos make a decision, it's game over. So that might mean that if you can find a bullish pattern emerging, trust that the algos are going to hop in. So what did I do? I went over to Mile, M-I-L-E, and it had a cup and handle gap fill forming. So I got in at 4. I bought it in the morning at 4.16 as the right side of the cup was forming and sold it in the right at 5.00. Okay, so I think I made eight hundred bucks on that, that trade that day, um, and it formed the right side of the cup. So I took those profits and I sat on my hands and I said, okay, well let's wait for this this handle to form, and the handle came back and formed, and I got back in at around four dollars and forty cents on the handle. Now from there it should have shot up to at least the two hundred day, which was five forty eight, and then the gap fill was looking for six seventy. So I bought it at 540, going. Oh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna duplicate what KPLT just did, and I I, I profited off the cup. I bought at the right spot on the handle, and now I'm gonna wait for this this shoot up to the 200-day and then the gapper um, to to 667. Well, since then, um, it went to uh, closed at 438. Closed at four. 31, closed at 4.13, closed at 4.17 um, and then it's down to 3.99 today. So the handle completely fell off and broke and I stopped out of it. Um, I think I lost 200 bucks on trying to play that handle move. Um, So apparently the algos didn't like that particular cup and it doesn't, the cup is a little bit jankier on this thing. Like if you actually look at the cup, like the, the KPLT cup was perfect it was absolutely perfect it was like the most picture perfect cup you could possibly have like like if a textbook put in fake data and fake candlesticks to show hey here's how a cup and handle forms like it would be that um the mile cup was kind of like deformed it was kind of slanting down a little bit too much the base was kind of sort of there um and so I even told my wife as the right side of the cup was forming, um, I said, I really don't like the shape of this cup. Like it kind of looks like a deformed melting cup. Like, like a, you know, when you put like a plastic measuring cup too close in, it, in your dishwasher and it falls to the bottom level and then um, it melts and deforms, like that's kind of how this cup felt. So maybe the algos are looking for like some perfectly symmetrical cups to play. Um, but the algos didn't pick that nonsense up. You go over to A-T-E-R, which I did not, I was not aware of, Um, it sort of has the opposite cup forming. Same exact setup, cup and handle with a gap fill. Um, I don't see the double inside bars on this one. So anyway, it it, it starts to form and it forms like the opposite of the mile cup. So instead of sloping down and melted, it's kind of tilted to the right and melted. Um, and but it does. it forms the cup, comes back, forms the handle. And not only does it fill the gap, holy moly, that the gap fill was at 824, it shot up to 1922 yesterday. Um, so the bottom of the cup was three dollars and4 cents on August 23rd. The burst through, to the gap fill on august 31st so a week later what is that that's one two that's five trading days later it was at eight it was at nine bucks so you know it's a 300 move the handle came back to 662 and then two days three days later it shot to 1932. um i think as i read about this one because i was going okay well that was a cup and handle and a gap fill and then it kept going Um, It had a high short interest, and that seems to be the fad right now, um, where retail bros and algos and whoever are looking for high short interest. Um, So what am I? I've got one high short interest going. Um, I'm out of the Bitcoin play currently, but with the click of a button, I can get back in at any time, and this thing is just... It's just hanging on for dear life. It's like that cat. I don't know if you saw that over the weekend, the cat at the Miami football stadium for the University of Miami Hurricanes game. Um, It got stuck on it. It was like dangling from the, the, the cloth, the rafters, like the banister, like on the top level of the stadium. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, it's going to fall and die. We're going to really test the theory that cats have nine lives right about now. And this guy reached over the edge and was trying to grab it and save it, but it was too far down. And if he would have leaned any farther, his big old overweight torso would have catapulted him over the edge um, to certain death. So he couldn't reach it and everybody was like panicking. And the cat was holding on with both claws dug in and then one of the claws tore loose and it's hanging on with one claw. And everybody's like the the entire crowd is like collectively gasping and panicking like we're going to watch a a feline uh, disaster happen right before our eyes. Um, And then there's two people who had the wherewithal underneath it to get underneath it and stretch out a piece of cloth, which just so happened to be an American flag. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. I don't know why I brought it into the stadium with me, but I proudly stand up and use it to catch a falling cat. And then everybody cheers. Um, Anyway, watch the video. It's pretty cool. This cat falls like 50 feet. And they catch it in the flag. It was pretty neat. And there's like there's like a two second pause. Like, did they actually catch it in the flag, or did it, did it fall out? Like, what happened? Um, and then they it was almost like the Lion King. They pick up the cat and like raise it in the air, and everybody's like triumph, yeah. And then you hear the entire stadium erupt. Um, so it was pretty cool. Uh, why was I talking about cats? Huh? No idea. No idea at all why I was talking about cats. Yeah, really, no idea. Low floats, squeezes, things falling through support floors. Huh. (laughs) I don't understand how my brain works sometimes. Um, VIX, not the VapoRub, but the volatility index is up today. It was funny, today, this morning, you know, the CPI data not manipulated at all. Um, everybody was waiting on w- w- with bated breath to see what the inflation data was going to say. Um, and so this morning, pre-market was flat. Like, I'm not, I'm not kidding. It was like flat, flat, like just flat. Normally, you know, normally the futures are up, you know, they can be up anywhere from like 30 to 100 points or down, you know, 50 to, you know, whatever. And so you see kind of the trend in the movement. Today was the first time in a very, very long time that I've seen it just flat. And you could tell that everybody was waiting. So I turned on Bloomberg early um, to get a handle on what the inflation data was going to be. Because clearly, if the inflation data comes back terrible, that's going to really fuel the downward correction to the 200-day moving average. Um, So, turn on Bloomberg and everybody's you know, they're all sweating bullets. Oh, what do you think the CPI is going to show? I don't know. Uh, So... 8.30, 8.30, they release it, and I have my, I have my, as I said last week, my 58 hours of iPhone screen time. I'm using the Ameritrade app uh, to track different charting things. So I'm sitting there with my Ameritrade app open watching the futures market, and before they come back from commercial break, the market goes from being flat to instantly the Dow jumps up 100 points in futures, and I was like, oh, CPI data must be good. Um and so then they come back 15 seconds later from commercial break. Breaking news! CPI data shows that inflation slowed um, compared to the previous month. And that the Fed uh, adjusted their annual inflation rate down by a tenth of a percent. So there was like this short-term market euphoria. So the Dow Jones Industrial future shot up 100. And the NASDAQ shot up like 80. And the S&P was up, I don't know, 40 or 50. And I thought, okay, well, at least that alleviates that potential uh, panic. Um, but I thought, well, it's still going to be down because there's clearly got to be a move back towards this moving average on these big indexes. And what do we got? And sure enough, right now, Dow Jones down 268 points. I mean, imagine if that CPI data would have been terrible, um, market probably down 750 points or more. Uh, so the market's still down 263. Um, Nasdaq down 28, and I am currently in my big old portfolio of uh, the equivalent of Widow's Mites. Um, do- <laughs> I am green on the day for a grand total of $28.35. <laughs> $28.35 divided by it's almost one thirty, I'll say four hours. Oh man, I've made seven dollars and eight cents an hour today. Seven dollars and eight cents an hour watching watching colorful lines bounce up and down on the screen. Oh hey, I'm up seventy-seven dollars and thirty-five cents. Where'd that come from? Uh oh it's because it's because I think, and this is where my stubbornness, I hope. Remember, you remember the big short movie where Michael Burry's like, hey, the subprime thing is a house of cards it's gonna pop and uh there's a lot of there's a lot of uh dumb money there and we are going to short that whole thing and make a lot of money so everybody's like you're a fool but yeah we'll take your bet so he goes to goldman and bear and all these other places uh merrill lynch Morgan Stanley, whoever all these banks are charles schwab and he gets he takes out all these um swaps with them to come up with a unique financial instrument in order to short the housing market. And he tells his invest his investors, "Hey," he sends out the email, "Hey, we're shorting the housing market." And they're like, "Are you crazy? You're in- you're betting against the mortgage industry? You're a lunatic. We want our money immediately." And he says, "Go ahead and sue me because this is the right move for your money." And the first month ticks by and he's down. And then the next month goes by and he's down. And months, month after month after month goes down. And I think at one point he was down like 40%. And everybody's panicking and he's gotta lay people off and they're like, dude, give up. This isn't gonna work. And then all of a sudden, oh, and then the guy comes storming into his office. And this might've been Hollywoodized, but I love the scene. The guy comes storming in, give me my money now. And he's like, no. And he goes, and Michael Burry says, I'm not, at least the character Michael Burry says, I'm not wrong. I'm just early. And the guy says, it's the same thing. So that's my premise on body, B-O-D-Y, Beachbody, the P90X company. They went public through a SPAC earlier this year. And when they announced that they were going public through the SPAC, it was when SPAC hysteria was at an all-time high. And they went from like 10 to 19 bucks in like a day. And then, Obviously, that cooled off and came back, and they hovered around 10 to 12 for several months. And then when they finally it completed the SPAC merger, it went from 10 up to 13, 50, and then it came down under 10, and it came back up to 11, and it came back to 8, and up to 10, and back to 7, and up to 9. Anyway, I've been I've been accumulating it my goal with a spac is to try to get it under the nav price, which is ten dollars. Um, and with spacs being out of fashion for, for very good reason, a lot of the spacs that have taken these entities public, that they're pre-revenue companies. And you know, a pre-revenue company has you know a, a ten billion dollar valuation or a three billion dollar valuation, and they're pre-revenue. It's like that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Um, Beachbody's been around twenty years they do a billion dollars a year in subscription revenue and at a $10 nav price they were valued at 2.9 billion dollars total so they were they were just at, just they were at a 2.9 multiplier and i talked about this if you can find something between a 1 and a 2 multiplier it's a great deal they have no debt if it was just the workout videos, I probably would have been eh. But you do your research. They bought a company called MYX Bike. Mix Bike, I think is how you pronounce it. I For whatever reason, I always want to refer to it as MYX Bike. Man, I want to buy this at $5.99. Now that I'm looking at it and feeling bullish, I it's like, dude, that $5.99 is going to fly from there. It's going to fly. Um, But don't. I wonder what that is. It's like a snake. It made it. It made a really, really symmetrical S shape. Over the last when was that? I'm gonna I'm gonna create a new pattern, become world famous, make a lot of money. Um, since it's like a perfect S. I've never seen that. Since August 6th to right now, it's like it's made like a it's made like half of an infinity symbol. What is that? What pattern did you just identify, Muth? The Infinity War, Marvel, Thanos, Captain America, they're coming to save the day. Interesting. I'm just going to write down infinity symbol <laughs> with a lot of question marks because I've never seen that, I've never seen that formation before. Um, and visually speaking, it is intriguing very very intriguing the half infinity symbol what 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 just happened what just happened on the daily chart for any dude what if elon musk tweets an infinity symbol right now this thing would go to infinity take out a second and third mortgage put it all behind any not financial advice and no i'm that's that's obviously sarcasm It's mocking all the people who buy the tops and then complain and whine and bitch and then sell the bottom. And then they go, oh, stocks are hard. hard." Obviously, dummy, buy low, sell high. I mean, seriously, you have to be able to go places where people don't want to be. That's the only way you have a shot of giving yourself any sort of probability to make money. You have to go, you have to enter a position before anybody wants to be there. Um, and I actually did some research on this and I'll get back to body in a second. I did some research on this looking at the average American's uh, money flow into the stock market throughout the cycles of the market since 1950. And without fail, they were the average American put poured in three times as much money on the highs of that cycle than they did on the lows. So the psychology of Americans, maybe just the psychology of humans, um, is, is not conducive to actually making money. Like you have to be kind of a contrarian prick. <laughs> I don't, you don't have to be a prick, but you have to go, you know what, so let's get back to body. Here's what I'm saying with body. Everybody's saying sell body because it spiked to 13.50, a month later, it was down to 7.79. It blew up to its resistance line, 11.45. Came back down, 6.96. Uh, next resistance line 7.95. It's currently down at its next resistance line around six dollars, um, and I continue to buy it every time it gets low to that resistance line. I'm buying it, and in addition to that, and this is a little known fact with SPACs that can actually uh, they they can they can provide you well they do provide you leverage whether that leverage is a leverage towards loss or leverage towards profit. I mean. It goes both ways. But the, but the way that you can play a SPAC, which I'm not too sure too many people know about, because when you look at the volume of these things, you're giving away all the insider secrets. We're going to cancel you. Um, when you look at the volume, you can trade these things called warrants. And it's actually another thing that makes SPACs dangerous is a warrant is basically kind of like a call option. It's the right to buy a share at a set price of $10.50. Um, plus, yeah, it, that's what it is. It's the right to buy a share at ten dollars fifty cents. So, bef- when before they announce the merger, the SPAC is trading at a NAV of ten, and the warrants, it's uh, you, it's a, I think it's a buck fifty normally. So, it's the right to buy a share. You can pay a buck fifty for a warrant with the right to buy a share for a buck fifty. So, you're in for twelve. Um, so, people will do that if they don't want to take on. So you know, if if a warrant's trading at a buck fifty, and you want to lock up a thousand shares for fifteen hundred dollars, you could potentially lock up a um, thousand shares instead of putting in ten thousand dollars if you bought the shares directly. So they're they're pretty much in that regard equivalent to, to options. Where they differ is that the options expire. So the options um, you can you can either execute them. And convert them to shares, or you can just let them expire and the contract, you know, just dies and it never gets converted to shares. A warrant actually, if you exercise it, creates new shares. So that's another danger with SPACs, is if, you know, let's just say theoretically, some the, the, the shares outstanding on body, I think, is like 330 million. So let's just theoretically say that somebody bought 330 million warrants and it someday decided he wanted to convert them, he could double the shares outstanding by converting those warrants, which would then uh, dilute the shares outstanding. So that is, that is a concern for SPACs, at least as far as I understand SPACs. Maybe I, maybe I, things I've read and understand and digested have not been correct, but um, the things I've read about SPACs the last several months, that's how I understand warrants. Um, And, so, right now on Beachbody, uh you can pick up a warrant. Man, I want to buy more. I want to buy more warrants so bad. I want to buy them so incredibly bad. Um So I've been buying them uh under a dollar 60 and they're currently trading at a, I could buy more for a dollar 53 right now. Um, but the day low was a dollar forty-four. But that's a sale. That's the thing with the warrants, is the spread on them can be pretty big. So the ask is a buck forty fifty-three and the and the, the bid is a buck forty-four. So there's a spread, which kind of gives insurance to the people who are holding them. But to give you an idea, so Beachbody right now is trading at $6.39, and the warrant will just say is trading at the last sale was $1.53. Um when Beachbody was trading at 1350, which is essentially double, we'll just say it's 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 a little over double from where we're at now. Um 16, 640 to 1350, that'd be 1280. Um, so it's just over a hundred percent. When Beachbody was trading at 1350, the warrant was trading at 407. So my point is, if you do, you see the leverage there? So if I do 4.07 divided by 1.53, that's a 2.66 multiplier. So the warrants provide you leverage on the loss and the profit. Um, anyway, so everybody has been saying sell body, it's a multi marketing MLM company. MLM companies never do well, get out of it, it's a scam. And I'm going. They've been around 20 years. They're they're doing a billion dollars in sales, and this is before they bought MyX Bike, which they're calling the Peloton killer, and it's before they acquired OpenFit, which is a competitor to Apple Watch. So you've got you've got all the P90X workout, not the P90X. You've got the entire Beachbody workout library, P90X, the Shanties, the Insanities, the uh, the work, the 645s, the Muscle Burns Fats, the 21 Day Fix, all this stuff, all those infomercials you've seen over the years are now digitized and they've been digitized for several years in beachbodyondemand.com. And they have, here's the kicker, they have 2.7 million subscribers paying a monthly fee to access that particular digital content. This is before they have the bike and this is before they have the, the OpenFit, the OpenFit, the watch app thing. And for perspective, Peloton has 3 million paid subscribers. So Beachbody has 300,000 fewer subscribers at the moment than Peloton. Guess what the valuation difference is? Peloton is currently valued 17 times what Beachbody is. So either Peloton is just wildly overvalued, which they probably are, their price of sales is pretty high, um, or Beachbody is wildly undervalued, probably true, Worst case scenario, they meet in the middle somewhere, um, and you've you've made money. So everybody and their dog is saying sell body, um, and I am just following my descending wedge. If you read about a descending wedge, um, a descending wedge is actually incredibly bullish um, because at some point the it's it, it's a a descending wedge looks like a slice of pizza. And as it continues to drop, even though the price is continuing to fall substantially, um, you eventually pinch at the tip of that pizza and something's got to give. And most of the time it gives up. It gives upwards, not like gives up and falls, it gives up. Um, So you go, well, if you're really good at charting, you would have waited to buy it when it was at the bottom of the descending wedge. Well... I liked it when it was at 10 bucks. Um, so why the heck wouldn't I buy it when it's at eight bucks? And why the heck wouldn't I have bought it again yet the last week when it was at six bucks? Um, the thing, I have—I actually have an order for 10,000. I should probably up it to 20,000. Um, warrants at 50 cents. And that's sort of my, that, that right there is my correction to the 200 day moving average for the entire market because if you compare what i'm doing is i'm comparing other SPACs so for instance if you go back and look at mile um not uh yeah mile if you go back and look at mile um, their warrants when mile was at three bucks their warrants were trading at 61 cents um and if you look at catapult because all of them were were SPACs k-p-l-t-w wow at the bottom of the cup catapult you could have you could have bought some catapult warrants between in the mid 50s they their lowest was 44 cents geez louise so here's the leverage that i'm talking about i mean let's say that you got in there for 50 cents on a warrant um as catapult the stock has recovered um the warrants are currently sitting at, at a little over two bucks so, I mean, what is that? That's 50, that's, a, that's a 400% move. Um, so you you get tremendous leverage with the warrants. But the reason I'm looking at these for comparison is, so when, when Catapult and Mile were in the $3 range, their warrants were 50 to 60 cents, let's say. If there's a wicked, crazy sell-off correction down to that 200-day moving average, which is overdue, um it wouldn't surprise me if body dropped out of this bearish this this uh, bullish this descending wedge and maybe went down to three or four bucks and if that's the case i've got buy orders already f- triggered up and ready to go to sk- hopefully scoop up right now i right now i have an order for for 10,000 warrants at 50 cents which you know puts me on the hook for another 5 grand um the the extremely aggressive investor in me wants to put all. <laughs> I, I, I uh, work very diligent to have sizable cash on hand at all times. Um, and But the extremely bullish, extremely aggressive, extremely contrarian investor in me wants me to f- go, okay, you have how many dollars in your account divide it by 50 cents and buy every last penny of warrants that you can possibly get your hands on. Um, And that's the Warren Buffett advice. He says that if you want to make a long-term investment, you should only look at the stock price once a year. Um, Because he said, if you find, he said, he he views it as very interesting. He said, you should have 20, your investment life should be a punch card and you should have 20 punches on it. And he said, if you only had 20 purchases to make, 20 investments to make over the course of your life. He said your research would be stellar and your patience would be long. Um, And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that um, as far as long-term investing. And again, it gets back to the confusion of what I'm experiencing of, well, am I a long-term investor? Am I a day trader? So to kind of help that in my Roth, I've just gone long in stuff that I think is undervalued at the moment, Rolls-Royce, and just gonna not think about it. but when you see multiple things work, it's it makes it more difficult to pick. You know what's your style. Um, I was talking to one guy. He actually has multiple. He has he has two different accounts. He's got a long-term account, um, and then he's got a separate account that he logs into for the day trading, um, and the swing trading. Um. So I mean, if you want to say, if if uh, Peloton's currently got a multiplier of 17 on Beachbody and Beachbody is rivaling their subscription base before they're at a billion dollars in revenue, profitable, debt free, before they've launched their bike and before... Oh, the other exciting thing they're doing. Oh man, you're getting paid. This is a paid infomercial. Um, Hey, hey Beachbody, Carl Dykler. I'm I'm more than happy to take ads on this here podcast. So um, hit me up, hit me up. I would say at bmuth on Twitter, but I canceled Twitter because I believe in free market economics. and. I believe that I vote with my dollars. Um, and ever since I've done that, Twitter stock went from $40 to $70. So clearly, <laughs> cl- clearly I'm not even plankton in the overall uh, market. I am, I'm I'm. like a bacteria floating on a piece of plankton. Um, because yeah, me canceling my uh, Twitter account in financial protest over heavy-handed censorship really impacted their stock price. Um, hilarious. Hilarious. Um, so Beachbody, the other thing they're doing is it's called Body, B-O-D-I, and it's Body Interactive. And they're in beta mode right now. And I've been following them. If you go to Instagram, you can follow uh, Body, B-O-D-I, Body Interactive, and it's Beachbody Interactive. And what they've done is they've taken all their favorite instructors and they're doing these like live workouts. So you can, you, instead of getting in your car and going to the gym and making the 10 a.m. workout class, you can turn on your computer, you can log in to, to Beast Body on Demand, click and go to the live classes, and you can participate in a live class with thousands of other people around the country. And if you want, they have the option for you to turn on your camera and they'll put you up on the board with, you know, hundreds of other people working out. And then the instructor can call you out, hey, you know, John or, you know, whoever, Smith or, you know, Caroline, um, you know, we see you keep going, you know, knees higher, you know, better form on your pushups, whatever. And I've been following their beta launch online on Instagram and it's incredibly popular. Like people are like geeking out about it. And it's really cool. The set design's cool. The technology's cool. So they got that going for them. And that's going to be to have access to the live classes. It's an additional $19.95 a month. Again, you compare that to a gym, and you compare that to the inconvenience of getting in your car and blah, 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 makes me very bullish. Um, And the third thing that makes me bullish about them is they are swiping, Um, they are going out and they're recruiting away from Peloton, uh, some of Peloton's most most, mosts, their mostest, the extra best mostest from Little Caesars, they are recruiting away from Peloton their most uh, popular instructors. To then uh, starting here in the fall to be then doing live cycling classes on the MyX bike, so I think there's pelotons at the extreme of having benefited from COVID and all the stay at home and all the hysteria and all of the bullish run up, um, and poor little beach body just sitting down here in a in a in a descending wedge and everybody's telling you not to buy it, um, and. I'm having to fight the battle every single day to try to maintain my cash percentages and not buy. <laughs> Which is another layer of making decisions on all these things. I think I mentioned in that, ooh, Annie, sitting at 598 That book I read about Siggy Wilsig. Did I, did I talk about Siggy Wilsig? Holy moly, I can't remember. I think I did. Yeah, I talked about Siggy Wilsig, the, the concentration camp survivor who became one of the most successful Wall Street guys ever, his approach, people would come to him early in his career and he was, he'd was he look at their portfolio and he's like, why are you buying crap stocks? Just pick one, pick a good company and put all of your stuff behind it. I mean, go support a good company. Um, you know, you have to be diversified. Yes, there's wisdom, biblical and otherwise, about diversity and a 3 court. you know, what is the Bible verse? The Proverbs says a three-strand cord is not e- easily broken. I mean, so there's a lot of wisdom in that. Um, but I think you can also get stretched too thin on the counterpoint to that, um, Buffett said, he said, tell me somebody who made money on their seventh best idea. He goes, we all have ideas, um, but point out someone. What, Jeff Bezos, in, you know, instead of starting Amazon and the online books retailer, what if he would have tried to you know execute on his seventh best idea? Probably wouldn't have worked. And that's kind of Buffett's thing with the twenty punches on a card, and you know, go after the best idea. Um, you know, that gives you the best shot at um, outsized returns. And I, I think that there is wisdom in both. So, um, anyway, interesting times right now. Bitcoin's just hovering. It was seventeen hundred up when we started. It's fifteen hundred up on the day. NE is lingering at 5.99. So now it looks, now it looks like, you know what? We're gonna convert to the one day one minute chart, and we're gonna see if if this conclusion is accurate. Not the one month one day, the one day one minute. Ooh, ooh. So now you have to flip. I think this is what I'm doing. Just following the charts. Just following the charts, people. Don't hate on me. I'm just trying to follow lines on the screen. Now it appears, it appears since it dropped to 5.88 when I started podcasting just, I don't know how long ago, 12.48 p.m.? An hour ago? I've been rambling about stocks for an hour. Uh, And that's before I even did that 12 or 13 minute prepended thing. Um, It would appear now that the resistance is at 6. Interessante interesting it's going to take an act of elon musk to shoot this thing um, back over six until the it does its needed fib retrace and all this kind of stuff so early adopter on the front end good early adopter on the back end bad um but you also don't want to get greedy uh so there's i don't know maybe maybe i'll determine so if my full size position is a thousand shares maybe i'll make 500 at what i think at the 540 what was it was at 546 547 fib line. maybe i'll do 500 shares there and then maybe i'll do 500 shares at what did i write on my card i wrote 450 on my card it could could be 450 could be 475 depends on which candlestick you pick Jack jumped over the candlestick. Maybe Jack was a stock trader. What? Dude, so I identified a stinking infinity symbol pattern, which I'm going to make gazillions of dollars off of. And then Jack be nimble. Jack be quick. Jack jumped over the candlestick. Jack was a freaking day trader. I love it. Who would have thought Aesop's fables where he would be a day trader predicting the future? I think that was an Aesop. Was that an Aesop? We're going to find out. Curiosity is going to kill this cat. Um, because that other cat did not fall off the balcony. He survived, so now we need to even the universe out with a feline death. Curiosity's going to kill this cat. Jack be Nimble. Jack be Nimble Candles. There's a candle store in Chambly, Georgia. Poem. Jack B. Nimble Poem. It's an English language nursery rhyme. It has a rude folk song index number oh so it wasn't even William Wallace Denslow's illustrations for Jack B Nimble from a 1901 edition of Mother Goose so Mother Goose what did I who did I say it was Aesop's Fables so now you know what we're gonna do Mother Goose versus Aesop's Fables, it's not even auto-filling. They're like, we've never seen this stupid search query in our lives. (laughs) But that was DuckDuckGo, which, as I said last time, I can use less and less because it's so worthless. Fables and rhymes. Aesop and Mother Goose. So they are different. Mother Goose rhymes and Aesop's fables. Okay, that's for a different time. I really don't have the curiosity. I've got a tiny bit of curiosity in that. I really don't have a lot of curiosity on Aesop's fables. Who cares? Who cares? Oh look at that. It's $5.98, 6, $5.99, 6. It looks like, ladies and gentlemen, 6 has become the resistance. I wanna I wanna I wanna live stream stocks every day. This is fun. Maybe I should start a YouTube channel um, and do a video blog. Would that be cool with the kids? Uh oh boy. Alright, cool. I, I could probably i I could keep talking and uh, providing live commentary for probably way too long. Um, yeah, that's it. So it's very complicated. Uh, not uh, yeah, it's just there's a lot of things to, to bear in mind. There's competing patterns, uh, competing support lines. There's there's lot. You can look at a chart and conclude multiple things. I guess is the point. Um, I need to figure out what a, what a half infinity symbol conclusion is. And if I figure that out, I'm going to keep it a secret. Have a good day. Adios. And I will either talk to you Saturday or I'll pretend like this podcast was published on a Saturday and recorded on a Saturday. It'll it'll either be published midweek or published on a Saturday. Um, And you won't know until you get all the way to the end. Well, you probably would because I wouldn't be live trading on a Saturday. And I even said it was the middle of the week on Tuesday. So if you didn't know that, you weren't paying attention. Peace.